Hello and welcome to the Keys Coach podcast. My name's Adam and this is the podcast where I sit down with piano, keys and synth players and talk about their life in music. Today we're chatting with Hope Winter. She is an amazing singer, keys player, songwriter. I've seen her perform several times. She's amazing. This was actually one of the first podcast interviews I recorded all the way back in July and we sat down to chat about how she got started in music how she learned to play keys, how she approaches songwriting. She's got a really huge following on YouTube. We find out how she uh, finds navigating the online space as an artist. And we also chat about her time working as part of a band in a nightclub where the whole evening would be requests from the audience. That's seriously impressive to be able to pull that off as a singer and keys player. Hope's original music has got such a strong identity and she's doing really amazing things. So once you've finished listening to this episode, please do go and check out all her music. I've put some links in the description. Before we get into the conversation, if you're looking to level up your keys playing and are interested in hearing more about the Keys Coach as we continue to grow, I've put a link to sign up to our waitlist in the episode description, and this will mean you'll be the first to know as soon as new content is released. We've got so many exciting plans for the future. Okay, let's dive into it. Here is the conversation I had with the wonderful Hope Winter. Well, Hope, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's great to see you. Whereabouts are you? Um, whereabouts are you today? I am in Lewisham. Ah, nice. I know Lewisham well. Okay, for anyone listening, we both actually live in Lewisham, and we we know each other <laughs> through, through that kind of way. Lewisham, Lewisham people. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I love Lewisham. It is great. I really like it. Um, you might hear the DLR trains going by as we record this. <laughs> it's um, it's a cool, it's a cool area, and there's like. I love that whole South London vibe. I think South London's got such a cool identity to it, hasn't it? It's particularly yeah. with music as well, with Deptford and New Cross and all those yeah, different places. Yeah, so musicy, so many good pubs. I feel like I'm still discovering all of the best like music pubs around here. There's just too many. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't go to as many gigs as I probably should do, but I do want to go to more. There seems to be such a thriving scene in that part of London. So so you live in Lewisham now, but whereabouts did you grow up? So I grew up in Hertfordshire, so kind of in a little village just outside St Albans. Um, and I spent quite a lot of time sort of in Dunstable as well with my grandparents as well growing okay. up. Um, yeah, not a huge music scene there. There, were, there was like one one sort of main music pub that I remember which is okay. a, a really great pub called The Horn and um, that okay. was always like the new the kind of open mic night like you test out your new material and yeah that was one of my first gigs. <laughs> so I've sort of seen in your bio and I obviously have known from speaking to you that you didn't necessarily come from a musical family music wasn't necessarily a big part of, of you know your, your family's kind of life so how did how did that how did that emerge with you? Yeah, it was a funny one. So, like, my family are definitely all, like, music fans. Um, right. So I remember growing up, there was always music being played and enjoyed. But okay. it was, yeah, none of them, like, play instruments or, or sing or anything. It's, like, very much appreciated music, but not necessarily getting stuck in. Um, and I just, I just remember really, really just wanting to listen to music like 24 seven. And I still do now, like anytime I've, I'm walking or driving or I've got any sort of potential silence <laughs> in yeah. my life. It's, um, it, I, I love, you know, I'm a music fan and I love listening to music. And I think that's where I kind of remember feeling maybe, I don't know, just, just very connected to it. And, 
I remember having like one of those sort of portable CD players when I was really young and like having like Avril Lavigne CDs and just like really remembering all the lyrics and yeah, just really loving it. Um, and I think that was a, a kind of a, a nice way I was brought up is to, yeah, like, I, like we always went to festivals and gigs and concerts and all that, all that sort of thing. So they're definitely music fans, but not necessarily musical. <laughs> was singing the first kind of thing that you, uh, you, you got into? Or was, because obviously for anyone who's listening, Hope's an amazing singer and piano player at the same time and accompanies herself for everything. So how did that, what, what sort of came first? Was it very much the singing? I think, to be honest, I think, I think songwriting came first. I remember, well, I was, I was very much a kind of performery child. Like I wasn't right. afraid of kind of having the attention on me. <laughs> so I okay. do like dance routines shows. and yeah, like, I, you know, Christmas, or whatever, I'd come up with some sort of dance routine or some sort of song or, or whatever it might be. And um, I, I remember very much enjoying that kind of performing aspect and yeah see I, I don't think I was a partic- particularly like you know the oh she's an amazing singer I think it was just a kind of personality thing and um it wasn't until I was maybe like seven or eight and my mum bought me a kind of secondhand keyboard from like a charity shop and um I kind of just was was I think I was anxious to kind of be in control of what music I could hear I think I I wanted to make music and I wasn't sure how to get there and then so it kind of evolved in sort of trying to fiddle about with this keyboard and I'd had like a few lessons from a classical piano teacher and he was a bit scary and so I really I really hated the lessons um yeah yeah yeah. I just didn't didn't enjoy them at all um and I was I've, I've always been quite stubborn when it comes to learning anyway I'm I'm very much like I want to be great at it immediately and skip the kind of learning part especially when I was younger <laughs> skip the hard work yeah. yeah yeah um so I I remember it all kind of coming together around around then and I'd had you know quite a significant experience of grief when I was quite young okay. um so I'd had a lot of emotions and kind of confusing things that I needed to get out and it started really like lyrics like poetry really right and it sounds really sad this is a really it sounds really sad but there was this kind of website for kids that had gone through like losing a parent or losing someone really close to them um as like a sort of memorial website and kids would put up like poems or drawings on it and that was my first experience of like writing lyrics kind of cathartically and expressing how I felt at the time and then eventually that evolved to putting a melody to them and then putting the chords to them and it all kind of grew from there but it was very much from the kind of songwriting that's where I began to to love singing and singing my songs it's like singing them sort of became a vessel of how how can I get my songs out there and how can I get people to listen to them well I'll just sing them then um and around that time I also entered my school talent competition (laughs) and um and 
yeah, I sang She Will Be Loved by Maroon 5. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I think at the time had like just come out. Um, and um, yeah, and then I think that was like, oh, right, I quite, I quite like this. I'll, I'll maybe do it more, but yeah. You got so. the bug for performing and playing and all that kind of yeah. stuff and singing. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Um, so how did it, how did it kind of move from there? Because obviously like you, you went on to do lots of like open mic nights and things like that. That's quite a big thing when you're at such a young age to have the bravery to go and kind of do those events which are primarily focused around adults and all those kind of, yeah. you know, people that have maybe been doing it for longer than you. So how was that whole experience? Yeah, it was it was funny. So I played a kind of local arts festival um, and it was just a sort of acoustic set. I think at that time I was I was attempting to play guitar. <laughs> Not very <Right>. well. <laughs> and um, I think I did like a half an hour set and the basically a couple of guys that were running the stage, um, I guess, sort of saw potential in me and basically kind of worked with me on my songs and and my performing um just two two guys that had done music um yeah who were just up for sort of helping helping me out and so as I kind of got feedback from them of of what I you know what I should say on stage and kind of stage etiquette like don't take the jack out of the guitar before the sound guys muted the channel <laughs> <laughs> things yeah. like that um yeah. And so I, I, and then I kind of managed to meet a few uh, like working session musicians um, who were all much older than me, all all dads, um, and kind of I guess I was sort of their honorary like musical child, <laughs> right? Um, okay. And they kind of showed me the ropes as well, not just sort of performing wise, um, but like musically. Um, so I was I was lucky enough to spend a lot of time with them um just like they'd play my songs or they'd kind of be like oh have you tried this chord or blah 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 um so then I just started you know gigging loads with them and I did I did a few kind of open mic nights and it was you know not great <laughs> back then <laughs> but it was I think it was just more about kind of putting myself in front of people and and um getting used to the feeling of performing and performing my songs and I've always really liked kind of I've, I've I think I've always really liked the performing side of things I think that's my my favorite part of music is is singing in front yeah. of people and, and performing and that was sort of my my gateway into it so I was very lucky that I had a lot of people that were much more experienced than me and, and much much better musicians than me and I just learned so much off of them um and kind of and they were really really kind to include me in their in their careers at that point and that's when I sort of started traveling over to London and and doing a few things there wow that sounds really cool it sounds amazing to have that sort of like network around you with people playing your songs particularly at some age that must have been so so cool you know to have yeah. that from so young and kind of really inspiring as well yeah I was I was really lucky because because where I grew up it's not there's definitely there's a there's a music scene but it's it's also still quite a small town so there's there's only a couple of pubs that do kind of original music but it's also a very again a very musically appreciative place so like mm. most pubs that you go into will have a pub singer in there yeah. And 
and that was my kind of very much learning the ropes of like there's a, there's another great pub called the boot which has probably the lowest ceiling of any pub i think ever okay and um like i was definitely playing these pubs that like i don't think i was actually old enough to be in at the time oh fantastic yeah <laughs> and um you know it was a it was a really good kind of like baptism of fire of like all these kind of old blokes who were very drunk like and I'd go in and be like, right, this is my song. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. you know, like learning how to kind of charm the audience and how to have good chat and kind of giving them what they want and also playing what you want and all, mm. all of those things. Like, I, I just learned completely by just throwing myself into it. Um, That's the best way to learn, though, isn't it? Because you just learn on the job. I think all those skills sometimes get a little bit overlooked the actual stagecraft of being a performer and what that means and like the art of like actually performing to a crowd is so I guess you only learn it through doing it loads right yeah yeah I think that's so true because I mean I think there is definitely something to be said for kind of practicing and, and learning and studying I think that's absolutely really important um and I work with so many people now as well that have all kind of studied at conservatoires and I never I never studied and I always kind of thought that I was really missing out on a lot of a lot of knowledge and a, and a lot of kind of connections as well because I'd never kind of gone down that path and I think there's there's something to be said for both you know yeah. and and having done it kind of the other way with with no kind of institutional support there's definitely things that I'm like I would have really really loved to have that but then there's yeah. other other parts of it where I'm like, you know what? I I learned so much from just genuinely from people that were just doing it, like and, yeah. and gigging all the time, and and I think people again, I was the same. Like I was very impatient to be the best I could possibly be straight away, and that was never going to happen. <laughs> so it was good to be around people that were just better than me and, and mm. much more experienced and, and kind of not having an ego about it, just being like, Oh, could could you even, could you show me what that chord was or, or like taking bits of what people say about their songs mm. and then like making it relevant to your songs. And yeah, I think that's such an important part of learning what your kind of act is. Yeah, totally. It must have been around this sort of time that you began putting videos up on YouTube, right? Because that, if anyone yeah. hasn't um, seen these, I'm going to link some of these in the description, but there's some amazing videos of Hope performing sort of in, on a grand piano in these amazing spaces. And they've just had thousands and thousands of views. So that must have been a really difficult thing to kind of cope with. I mean, you know, both mentally and, you know, having all of this sort of attention from such like a young age. I mean, how did you yeah. find that? Yeah, it was very surreal. Um, so I, so the the guys that run the um, the sound at that festival I played, one of them basically wanted to start doing videography and, and he had access to that beautiful space and, and grand piano. So we we just sort of started churning them out. Um, and at that time as well, I was I was still learning how to play and, and how to sing and that was basically all done through learning covers and learning my favorite songs at the time um which was really great for my songwriting because I'd I was playing chords that I would never think of but because I was learning all of these covers um I had access to all these new chords that I'd never never yeah, tried yeah, out yeah. before and 
um it really was just just playing songs that I liked I kind of I, I wasn't thinking sort of calculatedly like oh what's gonna go viral it was just songs mm. that I really liked to play um and then there was one in particular when I was 14 that just blew up and I th- I think it was because it was on Downton Abbey at the time so it kind okay. of just got a hold of of something in the ether and and blew up um and has now had like millions of views which like at 14 was so so weird um, yeah I bet <laughs> to, to like suddenly be in, in front of all these people and like I think I'm quite big on the funeral circuit because okay <laughs> because well, people play your your covers at their funerals <laughs> yeah. yeah oh man yeah. which is which is really lovely and and you know there are a lot of very um very emotional and kind of personal comments on that on that video as well um which is really lovely and yeah it was kind of like right the well I let's just do more of this then and the more the more we uploaded the the more you know they they do really well um yeah and most of the comments were really lovely some of them like anything on the internet were not but I think I'm quite lucky in that I've got I've got an older brother so I think my <laughs> my self-esteem is quite I'm quite thick-skinned <laughs> yeah. so it never really it kind of just rolled off me but you know I could see how I could see how it would you know affect people if if they're if they they're not prepared for that yeah. yeah not not prepared and it is it is a bit of a you know you get bombarded with like all of these kind of crazy comments from literally across the globe because it's mm accessible to everybody that's got wi-fi um but yeah it was it was it was definitely like a really um it was a really good kind of confidence boost as well because i was kind of like right well people obviously like what i'm doing so maybe i could just do this as a career um and see how that goes because i'd kind of never really thought about doing it professionally before that point because I was just doing it as a hobby like you Mm. know I was I was still at school I was doing my GCSEs and yeah like not even really thinking about being an adult or doing a having a career in what I didn't even know at that point and then I was like oh well you know what people I'm around people that are making money from this I don't know from where but they're they're doing this full-time so if they can do it full-time then I'll do it as well and um yeah. yeah it was it was a really cool time it was very it was a lot of work because we'd be filming we'd be putting out a video every week but I think that was also a really good lesson for me of like consistency kind of on the internet with your with your kind of content and putting putting yourself out there is so important and yeah. it's actually really hard if you don't have all of those tools you know we were doing it as a as a partnership really and and the, the videographer i was working with you know i'd come and i'd sing and i'd i'd arrange the song in whatever way i could and then he'd video it and record it and edit it all and then we'd stick it out and it was it's a lot of work you know for for just one little 3 minute video um, absolutely which i think is really underrated un- underestimated how much work it is to to constantly put out 
a stream of content even more now now with like TikTok mm. and, and whatever it's just other platforms yeah yeah I mean it's amazing I think there were like musically there was so much in those because I've checked out quite a few of those videos um that's what I think was so impressive about them is you're so young but you're actually crafting a kind of new arrangement of this cover song and putting your own spin on it it's kind of got that kind of like piano cover slash you know and like changing some of the chords and they're really impressive for someone so so sort of young you know Thank I think you. that's that's really cool I mean if you were going back to do that now like how how did you how did you begin kind of arranging one of those songs what's your process if you're going to do it, if you're going to cover a song because you don't want to just want to do it exactly like the original you want to yeah. put your own spin on it so what is your process for that I think to be honest I think back then I think some of the kind of rearrangement of it was because it was it was more out of the fact that I didn't have the skills to play the original chords that were in some of the songs. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes so, that's great, though. Sometimes if you're limited, you have a it yeah. means that you have to change it kind of by default anyway. Yeah, so it it yeah. works whatever you did. Yeah, because I I definitely remember. So I'd look up the chord chart basically, and I'd I'd look up on on like. I just type in the, the name of the song and then like chords and lyrics or like okay. piano chords and lyrics, yeah. and I'd find some sort of kind of transcribed chord chart by someone um, and kind of play it and see if it sounded right to me because I'd learned because I basically taught myself how to play keys I'd relied on my ear so much when um, when playing songs or, or like covering them so I'd, I'd sort of play through and then basically ask myself does that sound right or does it not sound right um, or I'd hear something and be like, oh, maybe this chord would work. I'll put it in, see how that sounds. But at the time, I think I'd, I'd sometimes look at the chord chart and be like, what is a diminished chord? Mm, what is yeah. that? <laughs> and yeah. be like, right, well, I'll just skip over that one. And I'll yeah. go to the next yeah. one. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then as I got kind of more um, skilled as a keys player, I would, I, I would just, because I just played so many songs by that point, and I'd sometimes because a lot of them were gu guitar chord charts, I'd then get the guitar and so say it was whatever chord, G diminish or whatever, mm. they'd show on the on the chord chart, they'd show um, like a bar... Uh, like, tab, yeah. Yeah, a bar tab of, of how to yeah. play it on guitar. So then I'd play it on guitar and then I'd play each string and match pitch on the keyboard of each mm. string <laughs> to Fantastic. see what that sounded like and because I yeah I guess I didn't think of just typing in G diminished piano chord <laughs> <laughs> really yeah, roundabout yeah. way of going about it but oh but it's great doing that though because you're learning it so much more organically you're having yeah. to like hear the notes and work out where they are on the piano and then suddenly you've learned something yeah it certainly doesn't sound like you were cutting corners in those in those things but I guess that's just yeah it's amazing yeah. so that's really cool so you, you'd kind of done all these YouTube videos and had been really successful what kind of what came next so then really I at that point I was like 16 17 and I was thinking about going to music college um and I was like I think my mum had like suggested maybe a conservatoire thing and I think I was I was so against going to a conservatoire or or considering it and I think that was mainly because I felt like I wouldn't be good enough to go but I don't know that was maybe because I hadn't had kind of I hadn't had private tuition mm. and 
I didn't have at that point the kind of theoretical knowledge that I assumed you would need to try that out. Um, so I kind of, I think I was scared of it, to be honest. And I was, and I was worried about failing there. So I'd kind of gone, well, well I'm not going to do that. Now, looking back, I think I actually would have really enjoyed it, um, especially mm. now there there are so many more kind of pop courses and like pop songwriting courses. And actually, even at that time, you know, which was like seven, eight years ago, there wasn't a huge amount of courses that I felt like catered for what I wanted to do and also weren't a complete beginner course as well. Right. At the so right I, level. Yeah, so I I was really kind of stuck on what I what I thought was the right path for me. So I I tried out a, a very very new pop course at um at a college, and I didn't love it. <laughs> so I dropped out, and then sort of was like, what am I doing? Um, so at that point I just thought, okay, right, I'll, I'll study a couple of A-levels from home. So I just, I just did that. I just looked up, um, this sort of distance learning thing and just studied from home and then tried to gig as much as possible, um, straight away. Um, so I had my first kind of residency in London at a cocktail bar really weird way that they found me because I'd be somebody had tagged me on like a Facebook comment section because they were going, okay. Oh, looking for new piano vocalists, um, tag below. And somebody had tagged me, which I didn't even realize at the time. Um, and had put like one of my YouTube videos up and, um, the booker watched it and really liked it and invited me in to audition for the residency. Fantastic. And, um, I was really at that point I was 17 again I don't think I was even old enough to be in the cocktail bar but I just sort of didn't even mention that yeah. <laughs> and, um, and yeah I went to H&M bought myself a new like performing you know suit to wear yeah. and um went in and, and interviewed for it and they really liked me and that was my first gig in London that was sort of a, a regular thing so I was doing that and finishing up my A-levels at the time and then meeting all of these London musicians um and it was the first time that I'd also been it was like right so you need to have um three 45 minute sets ready to go and and you know if you can change them up every time you play so it was suddenly like you need a very big repertoire yeah and, a lot of music to fill yeah, all that time yeah and you know that was the first time also I'd I'd transposed stuff before for myself because you know, for whatever key it was best for me to sing in, but it was very much like you need to be able to try and you need you need to be able to change key on the spot, and you need to lead a lead a band on a night, and also be able yeah. to take requests and all of these new things that were. I was very used to being prepared when it came to performance and and having a rehearsal and having prepared stuff myself. So it was all then very much like very quick, very very London-y and very much the London kind of mu live music scene now of, of the function side of things. Um, so again, that was a really, it was really scary and I definitely w felt completely underqualified to do it. Um, and I basically was just like, yep, yeah, I can do that. And I was like, well, I'll figure out how to do it when I get there. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, like, was I it loved it. a really it. good experience, yeah. It was really good. It was, it was hard in a lot of other ways. It, it there was... <laughs> 
I was I was playing with people that were kind of finishing up studying their degrees at music college and and really phenomenal instrumentalists. Um, mm. So I felt a huge I I felt imposter syndrome so much because I was like who who am I like I'm not trained I don't know all of these chords I don't know what what notes are in some of these chords and I was mm. I was new to kind of counting people in um and setting the right tempo like sometimes I get the tempo really wrong um yeah. or you know I just made mistakes and the mistakes probably that the audience would never notice um but I cared more about the kind of the peers I was playing with like the musicians yeah. I I I wanted respect from them as well and I think that was a really important thing for me because I then was like, right, I I really want to, I want to be a really, really good musician. And I want to be good. I want to be so good that, that that people that have trained and are really great think that I'm great. <laughs> so at that point, I basically searched up some like piano courses and, and like music, music theory courses mm. Um, and I studied for a year with the London Contemporary School of Piano mm. for kind of a kind of like, again, a sort of informal uh, year of studying like right. jazz roughly. Mm. Um, but again, they, what I liked about them was that they weren't kind of rigid. It wasn't like a rigid grade set Great structure thing, yeah. it was it yeah. was just like analyzing what I'd done what I'd learned and and what skills I needed to kind of get better and again like playing with so many different people every night you know I was I was not used to turning up and not knowing who I was playing with that night right. and so every night and this this happens now still all the time I'll turn up and the band will never have met each other before or maybe the drummer and the bassist know each other because they did a gig a year ago and yeah. they got on really well or or whatever and that is a one of the things I really love about music and love about especially like the function side of things is is mm. that it's such a it's such a massive community in london but it's also really small so there's it's a network always, isn't it of yeah. different people yeah and you meet so many people through that scene yeah and there's some amazing players that do those sort of amazing players and singers and all all kinds of people that do that that kind of work it's great i mean and you can also really learn a bit like you were saying about early on at those open mic nights you get a a lot of performance experience really quickly yes so how many of these were you kind of doing these gigs kind of every night was it like a few a week i mean how did it work so it was a it was a few a week it was maybe like two a week um and then it was through through that little cocktail bar which I think has changed now. I mean, it was if some nights it was really busy and sometimes there was literally no one there. Um, so I did learn how to yeah. make a few like cocktails at that point because I'd basically sit at the bar and the bartender would like show me what, yeah. <laughs> how to make certain things. Um, so yeah. And then it was through, through the musicians that I met there that they started recommending me to other venues. And Brilliant. that was when I got my first um, residency at a request uh, nightclub which was like the six-piece band and and it's requests all night mm. that was another that it felt like my first residency I was like okay it can't get it can't get more stressful than this this is already quite you know intense and then I had yeah. my my second kind of residency at, at this request bar and that was even that was so unlike anything I'd done before and felt completely mm. overwhelmed by it um 
because it's just requests all night and yeah i mean i think one of those one of those gigs is like I mean, there can't be a better way to learn than just being thrown totally at the deep end. Not even playing music that you've rehearsed, but playing a song that maybe you don't even know. So for anyone who's listening, it was, it was a nightclub, right, where they do requests and everyone would come up and like each song you're playing would be something that someone has requested. And then it wouldn't just be you playing it on your own. You'd be playing it with a full band yes, as well that maybe, so there's things like what key you're going to do it in, like knowing the structure of it. I mean, to someone listening, how did that work? How, what, what would happen if someone would come and say a song that you literally didn't really know? How, how did you make it work? So at that place, it's, it's good. It works really well because there's always two singers um, on. So when you, you, switch, you switch each time. So if the other singer was doing a song, I would then have time to stick my headphones in and listen to the song, which literally again, on the stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> while the other person was wow. singing, which again, I was really used to doing from my YouTube. You know, I'd listen to a song 50 times and then be like, oh, great. I've, I've got this down. But, you know, you're waiting for the other person to do a song, which is three minutes. Right. So you've got three minutes to look up the chord chart. I would prioritise listening to the verse in the chorus because the chorus is going to be the same melody each time and probably the verses as well. So that's all you need. You know, you then you get to the lyrics when you get there and you make them mm. fit in the same melody, hopefully. Um, and kind of hope for the best. And then you <laughs> probably do it in original key. Um, yeah. Even if, you know, even if that doesn't work for you. A lot of the times at these places, they'll request songs that are by guys and it will be the worst key for me. But you've kind of just got to get on with it unless you, unless it's yeah, really yeah, yeah. bad. And also there's so many ongoing jokes about like wanting to do like living on a prayer in a, in a female key. And then you look at the guitarist and the guitarist is like, don't do this to me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, all of yeah, those yeah. like etiquette things as well. And you'd, you'd, you need to make sure that you give the band enough time if they do need to find a chart and change it or, it, you know, changing the key in their head, um, especially for the horn players, because like they're already doing that which that was something I didn't even know until until I met my partner who's a sax player yeah and he was like yeah yeah we, we we're in a different key to you and I was like <laughs> what it is quite weird that actually <laughs> to explain to people it's like no they're not actually playing in the same key as everyone else it sounds like it's the same key but it, it's like what it like but, I, you know it is I a very weird thing absolutely no idea about that until I met him and it blew my mind so not only am I asking them already to be in a different key but then I'm like yeah changing the key so then they change the key of the changed key oh just <laughs> blows my mind and um yeah usually the band will probably i mean the the, the rhythm section is just absolutely phenomenal there they they are yeah. i mean the whole band are just it's really really underrated how how skilled they are as musicians yeah. and how how tight they are as a band because they've played together for since the opening of 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 the club so they're all really, really lovely supportive musicians. So Amazing. I felt, again, completely overwhelmed by it. And not only are you trying to learn the song that you might not know, you've also got people coming up to you and saying, can you play this song? Can you play this song? And giving you the request and blah, blah, blah. So there's so much going on and you can't let yourself get overwhelmed by it. You kind of just have to laugh and it's going to be imperfect. Just go with it. Yeah, you, yeah. you can't. And that was really good for me because... I think I was so used to trying to get everything to be so perfect and so, you know, every single note and I'd feel so stupid if I got a chord wrong or if I got a note wrong. And 
that gig was really good because it was actually more about giving people the skeleton of the song which yeah. is all a, all a drunk person is going to notice is their favorite part of the chorus and maybe whatever riff comes in at the start of the song which that's on the guitarist <laughs> sometimes yeah, me if i know it um you know and the rest of it is like it's a vibe and it's it's a performance thing and you're there as such a show person and that was something that i had never done before kind of being a very very outgoing you know sh- yeah showman um at that a place like that and and talking to the audience was so important and creating that kind of yeah that vibe that vibe yeah and that again was it was it was completely out of my comfort zone um but so so good for me um and there is now i genuinely think not any situation that i haven't been in because you know we'll be playing till 1 a.m things get people have a great time they get very messy and excited yeah. <laughs> and like it's a nightclub right it's yeah. a nightclub yeah. yeah so you know it's it's kind of really good i think to surrender yourself to whatever's whatever's going to happen and you know remove the personal part of it you know it's it's not as if it's a particularly emotional you know like ballady performance it's it's yeah. a rough and ready you know yeah, and it was it was it was just so 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 good for me to to learn how to do that. Um, yeah, sounds like an incredible. Um, sounds like an incredible like apprenticeship. Yeah, like that that sounds like just learning on the job each night, playing songs you don't know with a band that maybe you've just met. I mean, it doesn't get more sort of deep end than that. So it's obviously given you so many skills and given you a lot of confidence in your ability as well. You know, and I think that yeah. that's so important as well. So alongside doing all of these kind of things, you've always had your own music, which is such a huge part of your life now. And I really want to talk about this because I I've, I came to see you recently. Um, I've forgotten the name of the venue I came to. Where was it? It was like um, was, it was in South London somewhere, wasn't it? It was in um, Bermondsey, Bermondsey Social Club. Yeah, yeah, that was it. It was such a great gig, and I was like, Thank oh, you. I've got to talk to Hope, Hope about this. So. You've got like your own music that you've written. Were you were you writing songs even when you were back doing those cocktail kind of gigs and the the nightclub stuff? What yeah. has that always been running alongside all this other other stuff you've done? Yeah, yeah. The song the songwriting side of my career. I mean, that's always been my kind of biggest dream is is to be an original artist and right. Songwriting is literally always in my life. It's it's just like breathing. I I. I can't help but write songs. I love it. It's it's just my favorite thing to do. Um and yeah, the the original side of things, it's a really it's a really tough career to kind of keep going when you're when you're independent and you don't necessarily have a team of people around you. Mm-hmm. Um and for for a while when I was kind of just starting to perform in London, I wasn't even thinking about my originals career because I was kind of like this is I'm just kind of learning how to be a musician even right. <laughs> without even yeah. thinking about, oh, I'm writing all these songs. Like, what do I do with them? Do I release them? What, who am I? What even am I as a kind of artist product? I didn't even know at the time. And it wasn't until maybe, a you know, maybe six months before COVID and I was writing a lot of songs and I met at that first um, cocktail bar a a really good friend of mine who's who was finishing up his studies doing classical percussion um 
guy called Alex Templehield and um, he was wanting to get into production and we but and then COVID happened and then everything shut down and then um, just as COVID we were coming out of COVID I had another gig with him where we we got put on the same gig and again got on really well and, and he was like oh I'm interested in starting production and I hadn't really worked with many producers and I'd, I'd worked with a couple and I just didn't didn't get on with them or they didn't kind of get the sound that I'd got in my head for what I wanted my songs to sound like and yeah. weren't that interested in hearing what I had to say. <laughs> um, so I I don't know whether it's because we're, we're kind of around the same age and there was, it was a very much like, you know, well, let's get in the studio and like see how things are. There's no pressure on it. We don't have to release whatever we make. It's just a bit of fun and we can both learn from it. Um, and then we just got on really, really well. And he was really talented. Like he's really talented for, for someone mm. that's not really produced very much um, before that point. Uh, he was re- he's really, really good. And I was like, this yeah. is great. And we, we have a really similar vision of what, what I wanted the sound, the, the songs to sound like. Um, and we had a lot of fun, which I think is really important when you're kind of producing and making music, like that's such a fun process. It shouldn't be it like is. a difficult process. And so from that point, I basically, we just started, produ- you know, I'd write songs and then he'd produce them and we started working together a lot. And I worked with a few other producers at the time and, I'm still, you know, trying to write and produce with as many people as possible, but he's um he's definitely my kind of closest collaborator. To, yeah. yeah. Um so at that point I I kind of it was it's so helpful having somebody else kind of helping spur a project on. Um cuz I'd been at that point, you know, like I'd been doing music for like 7 or 8 years and I'd always written songs and I'd I was quite an accomplished performer at that point, but I wasn't really sure where I wanted my original career to go, what I what I was trying to say with it. And then I was, so I, then we slowly got this kind of collection of songs together that I started releasing in like 2021. And I was really, really proud of them. And it was the first time I'd kind of produced my own original music. And I was like, this is, this is me. This is 100% me, which is mm. such a, like, it's a really hard thing when you, you when you write songs yeah. as an artist to try and find what you want your sound to be and what genres and it's it's actually a really hard process um and it was the first time it just came and I was like great this is it this is actually I'm going to do this and and this is this is hope winter and this is what it's going to sound like and um and luckily my Alex um because he studied he then also had access to some really really awesome musicians that I wouldn't wouldn't have access to and and um kind of introduced me to that community and luckily they liked my songs and wanted to to play them amazing (laughs) and um and yeah so there's sort of an unofficial band of of people that are up for playing my songs and and when I want to put on a show they're they're there and it's great I think one of the that uh, sounds like such a great partnership you got with you got with him. I mean, I think one of the things that can seem slightly mysterious 
is the whole songwriting process and I think mm. some people it can seem like you emerge you know you maybe go behind a sort of door and you <laughs> then and then you emerge with this completed song that's just ready to be performed and I know just from my own experience and from working with other artists and particularly these conversations that that process can look can be really messy yeah it can be really going back to the drawing board it can be all those kind of things so when you and Alex are getting together to rehearse like do a production session or mm -hmm. write a song how, how does that work what does it look like what kind of things are you doing or is it different every time that's a really good question um I've always been quite private when I write songs so I found it very um if like if I feel like I can be overheard I don't write <laughs> so right, like growing okay. up I'd need to like there was a shed in a, in <laughs> like for the flat that I grew up in in the garden there was a shed and I'd go in the shed or I'd write when I knew everybody was out because um, I just didn't like this the thought yeah. of people overhearing if I made a mistake or if I you know said something but just just like to do it alone um, and it wasn't until I'd kind of thought about doing songwriting as a more kind of professional thing and even even a commercial sort of thing that I kind of had to let go of that privacy around it yeah um so i went on a couple of writing camps of where i was writing with a group of people and that was really good because it was like putting ideas out there like putting lyrical ideas out there you know saying them in front of other people which i hated doing even even if it was just me and one other person in the room writing a song I'd, I found that really exposing um and like scary if they would go that's that is so awful like why would you even suggest that it's that would yeah. be my my fear of what was happening and so again it was another thing of like okay just 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 do it because you'll you'll end up being better for it even if you get yeah. shot down or, or whatever it is and so I kind of and then that one of those songwriting camps was really good because that was my first experience of kind of doing proper p commercial pop writing um, and the kind of concept of like, you know, being a top liner or, or all those different aspects of songwriting. And I actually really love um, like top line melody writing, um, which I kind of hadn't realized before. And right. So then I did a couple of tracks for like some DJs that were doing sort of house mixes and they'd be like... Could you just explain you... quickly, sorry, could you just explain what a top line melody writing, writing is in case anyone doesn't yes. know what that, that kind of term means? Because it's a term that's used in the industry, but sometimes it can mean different things. Yeah, so, well, to me, it would be like a DJ or whoever will send the chords of a song, this the structural sort of melodic part of a song, harm, harmonic part of a song, and then they go, can you write the the catchy phrase of this the melody to go on top of this harmonic mm. structure that i've made um so essentially the catchy bit that you're going to sing along to um right. i think becky hill is a, a really great example of this i think she's a really phenomenal yeah she's um, amazing yeah really really amazing writer in in that way um and it's again it's something that you you'll you'll hear a pop song and you go oh this is a nice pop song um, or or a dance mix, like a lot of Becky Hill stuff, you might like hear it playing and be like, oh, this is nice. Um, but it's actually really, really clever, intelligent, specific writing. Um, and it's such an art. And it's just, it's just so cool. Like really, really yeah. clever. You know, you've only got 
12 notes to choose from (laughs) and you know creating something that's new but equally something that's that's gonna be very catchy and you know an audience can sing yeah can can sing back to you after hearing it once is essentially what Mm. you want um so that was something that i really enjoyed and really wanted to do more so i was starting to do that a little bit with with a couple of djs and like yeah and i i thought that i was quite good at that so that was good that was kind of another aspect of songwriting that i'd not done before and and that was a much more kind of not clinical but just uh it wasn't an emotional way of writing and that's always the way i'd written before was from a really personal emotional place and it was really good for me as a professional to kind of think about it in a much more kind of emotionally removed place um and just thinking about it in a in a yeah in a professional musical way and that was really really cool yeah really fun and really really good um so then that kind of just all made me a, a, a more confident writer. And then when it, when it came back to my original stuff, I became a bit less um, private about it and was just like, right, well, what's best for the song? You know, I've written this thing. It might need refining. It might need going back to the drawing board. It might, or it might be fine as it is. You know, what do you think? And um, yeah, and that was, so I, I think now when I'm writing it's it's so many different things depending on who I'm working with you know whether I'm on my own sometimes when I'm on my own it just comes out all at once and it's 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 fine as it is you know it's, yeah. and then sometimes I'll I'll be writing you know mostly I write in my flat with just on my keyboard and you know I'll have an idea I've got a long notes page in my phone or I'll be driving sometimes and I've got like a voice note of like a melody that I've thought of and then I come back to the piano and kind of put the chords under the melody. So, so, so many different ways of writing. But yeah, mostly mostly for my original stuff, it's sort of either in my flat or or my, my producer, Alex, he's written a couple of um, like harmonic kind of chord structures and then I've Ideas, put it yeah. to it. Yeah, and then I've I've put the lyrics and the melody to it. Um, so my next single actually um, that's coming out in August that is one of those so it's proper properly 50-50 our kind of writing baby so he wrote the basically all of the musical um, the chords and the production is all him and then I just put the 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 melody the vocal melody and the lyrics to it um, over the top fantastic yeah awesome so you've got a new single out at the moment uh, yes. called she so maybe just how how did that song come about so she i wrote um kind of about like modern dating really right um i wrote it in a time where i was kind of newly and freshly single <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it was my kind of first experience of like using dating apps and right um I don't know, just entering the sort of modern day dating scene, which I think is really weird. I'm kind of a hopeless romantic at heart. I read a lot of like romantic books. Right, <laughs> um, yeah. So it was, What kind of things? What like um <laughs> like 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 is like Jane is Jane Austen a romantic writer? I don't know. Oh, that's that's a historical one. 
Oh, okay, you're right. I read like new ones. Okay, like, right. Okay. I like. I've read. I've read this book recently called um, "Love the." Is it, oh, I think it's called "Love Theoretically," and it's about okay, two nice. um, like scientists that fall in love in the oh, same nice. like science wing. Um, <laughs> I yeah. So it was kind of like it's basically the song is about kind of people having endless options really when they're on a date like you might be on a date with somebody and they're kind of swiping on people Mm. across the table from you and I've only like experienced that once um but you know I've obviously got a lot of mates that are that are single at the moment and they're they're going on these like dating you know dating apps and and yeah so I think it's really it's part of like it's, it's just a really new phenomenon like having technology so integrated into all of our relationships and and romantic relationships so yeah I wrote the song about that um and yeah and I sent it over to Alex my producer and he really liked it um right that's usually my my go-to as well I'll write a song and then I pretty much send it straight over to him (laughs) um that's cool yeah, otherwise I just I either I either just end up going, Oh god, no, I can't listen back to it. I've got to just yeah. send it away to someone else to kind of have yeah. an objective opinion about it. Um and yeah, he he really liked it. And then we just kind of got working straight away of what what would be best for it. And and it's we record in a very um like holistic way. We do it in his flat in Wimbledon. Um, we did that song pretty much all from his room um, amazing. with like, yeah, just, just between us. Um, it's amazing what you can accomplish now. I think, I think recording studios are obviously still really important for certain things, but the amount of tracks now that are kind of like not radio ready, but like ready to be on any kind of streaming platform yeah. can literally be recorded from a really small space with a microphone, literally like the one you're using now. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's become so much more accessible for anyone to do that kind of thing. You know, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's really great. I think, I think um, we kind of had this idea in our heads of like Billie Eilish and, and Phineas, like right. they do so much of her work literally together. Like, just the two of them you know which i think is really nice even though they've got this kind of worldwide fame yeah they're very much still the the two of them such a strong partnership and it's like i really like that because it's clearly it's clearly a songwriting process and production process that's worked commercially so well and they've gone right well if it's not if it ain't broke don't fix it like they've they've stuck Mm. to it and i think that's really nice and they do so much of it literally kind of that kind of bedroom producer side of things i think it's really it's great it's so accessible to everybody um and you know really budget friendly like I, you know yeah. recording is is so expensive and i i don't have a load of like disposable income to to spend thousands on i'd love to i'd love to spend mm. you know a yeah. week in Go a to studio. Abbey Road. yeah that would be perfect next <laughs> album abby road if you're listening please sponsor yeah. me <laughs> but um yeah to be honest it was was really nice it was just us doing what was best for the song um literally yeah a mic that i'm using we set it up with a duvet and a cover to kind of deaden the sound um and i think listening to the main vocal you would never know that it was it was made kind of in in that way and i'm actually really proud of it um yeah absolutely yeah because i think when you sounds great thank you yeah when you when you're kind of it makes you kind of creative anyway when you're when you don't have access to 
loads of equipment and loads of really expensive mm. equipment you're just you're just using what you've got and i think it makes you more kind of creative anyway to kind of be like right well we've got this how are we going to make this stand we we wanted it to to stand up against any other thing you would hear in the chart and you wouldn't go oh that's a really different quality um to to what i'm hearing before or after it we we wanted it to be just as just as good to stand up to it i mean i yeah. think it's i think it's this case now where it's actually you would never know if something had been recorded in a studio or had been recording in a in a tiny one bed flat you just wouldn't no, I mean, maybe some things that have got a massive elaborate band with an orchestra yeah. and all, <laughs> yeah. you can't really cram all those people into into a flat, but particularly things like tracking vocals, recording single parts, you can just literally do it anywhere. And I think that's 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 one of the really great things about how technology's changed, how the whole music industry works. Yeah. Suddenly, you know, you can collaborate with people across the world, they can send you the files and it's just... it. It just opens it all up. It makes it so yeah. much more exciting. Yeah, you know? it's I think so that's good. great. And it, re- I mean, it depends on the song. Like we're we're recording a song at the moment that we're we're kind of doing half and half. So we want a string um, quartet on it. And one of my really good mates um, is a, an amazing violinist. Um, so we're getting her and her violinist friend to come into the studio to record the kind of top two parts of the quartet. And then the bottom two parts are going to be um, just like plugins. And I right. think that's a really good way of kind of, again, sort of budget friendly. I'm lucky that I've got lovely musician friends that will play for me for free. Um, and another musician, musician friend that owns a studio that can give us a little bit of a discount. Um, and then I think when you've got like real instruments blended in with like plug-in instruments that are, you know, and there's such a range of really, really incredible samples now. Yeah. That you could listen to them and be like, I think that's real. You know, you, you wouldn't know, but especially when it's blended in with, um, you know, instrumental recordings, it's, um, it's a really good way of getting a really full kind of authentic sound with, whilst also being on a bit of a budget. <laughs> so for your last gig, which is at the uh, at the Camden Club, you massively expanded the band and had horns and other instruments. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the people we both know were, were playing in the band. Yes. So um, how did that, how did that feel to suddenly hear your songs like played by a much bigger ensemble in that live setting? Like, oh, what was that? God. What was that like? It was just incredible. Like it was just, it was the best gig by far that I've done ever. Um, it was just it's just so joyful hearing such a big yeah a big ensemble playing playing stuff that I'd written Um, and they're all such incredibly talented musicians it's it's even just very humbling that that they would even be interested in playing my songs Um, so it was just it was really cool and and luckily they're all you know friends of mine so they were they were up for just giving their time and and playing because I'd hope that they're they're kind of interest musically interesting songs to play as well no um, 100% they are that's what I noticed so much from coming to the, the gig in Bermondsey there's you know the, the songs have got such a, a great identity and great grooves and great feel and like really you. interesting chord shapes they're kind of all your songs don't do what you expect them to do which is like such a such a, a great thing you know Thank to make you. them they feel unique in a lot of ways so that's yeah I'm sure they, they had a great time playing them. yeah no that means a lot because I think I think because I'd started songwriting so young I think maybe I got the songs out of the way that were quite predictable and I think that was yeah. good like and there's there's stuff to be said for for just a really you know nice predictable song um right but i think 
because I'd ri- I wrote so many of those when I was younger, it kind of forced me even for myself to like not get bored <laughs> to like write songs that s- surprised me of like where it went or like what what yeah. how can I make this sound kind of weird and and like I think at the time as well because I was playing with a lot of jazz musicians, I'd started listening to a lot more jazz stuff anyway um mm. so that kind of interesting gave me, harmony and that kind of yeah, thing. yeah yeah and kind of not not so much on the kind of four chord pop song structure it kind of mm. opened up a new new world of of yeah chord structures which which was really good for my writing as well but I mean again my my producer Alex arranged um all of the all of the arrangements of my songs for the band. So he he wrote the it was a four all the parts. Yeah, four piece horn section. So trumpet, um, and then baritone, tenor and alto. Um yeah. and then I also had two backing vocalists, which was really just I, I have a lot of um like BVs in my songs anyway, um, because I, I love like stacking up harmonies and I like I think BBs are just a great way yeah. to just make a song have it's it's a, such a small detail but it adds so much like I remember when I um recorded my song Fuel to the Fire and that was a produ- with a producer called Cassell the Beatmaker and that was a really really quick um like efficient way of writing that that kind of whole session um and so that song has like hundreds of bv parts and like stacked up harmony parts and it was literally like he'd be like okay so record um record that and then he'd and then he'd press the space bar and they go okay double it yeah. okay press space. now do a third below now do a fifth below now do a third above and it was like literally just and i'd i kind of i had to be like spot on each time and like and that was a really it was really good for me like it was it was just such a quick way of like having this really rich kind of vocal um part of the song and it was and there was no time to kind of be precious about what it was it was just like just do it like just definitely get yeah. on with it you're learning so much there you learn like ear training and like harmony yeah. and learning how to quickly react in the moment yeah, hear yeah. things and i think yeah no it's it's super super fun doing that track in bvs mm, i love it as well yeah. that's so that's so cool so, so yeah you yeah. had this massive band and, and that that's fantastic yeah and having them live as as well it just it it's also just so nice to kind of have those have those parts there so yeah yeah so it was an 11 piece overall and um yeah and we had we had basically two rehearsals we had one the week before and then we had a quick one on the day and then went to the and then went to the venue and yeah and it's it's a lot to think about even when you're putting on your own gig when you're like an indie artist, I mean, I put, I put it on with um, a company called Laid Bear that were really helpful. So they kind of oversaw everything and, and helped me promote it. And, um, but yeah, I was slightly worried that there'd be more people on stage than in the audience. <laughs> 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 but luckily, yeah. um, luckily we, we filled it out and That's yeah, great. it was just, it's just such a, like, it's an amazing feeling playing your songs with so many like I I remember feeling the same way when I first saw a big band which was only only when I'd like moved to London um and I went to the the Pelton Pelton Arms or just the Pelton yeah. um like a pub in Greenwich and and um yeah a lot of the people that we know were, were playing in it and it was my first experience of seeing a, a big band l- live yeah um 
and it's like uh, the the sound just like hits you it's just just mm. so you know i think it's like a physical thing yeah, is you really when you have those like big ensembles it's like a physical thing yeah, as well isn't it yeah. it's like the uh, kind of energy that comes straight off those ensembles is amazing yeah it was it um, was just it was stunning and i i also think like the horn section is like or like the horns in general are having such a like moment right now i, f- I yeah. feel like everyone is just loving the kind of the brass and i think it's yeah. it's really nice i don't know it's like a slightly 70s thing like there's a 70s vibe going on at the moment anyway but i i just really like that they're having a a bit of a resurgence yeah. in all these kind of in and a lot of like pop acts as well i was i was watching um glastonbury and the like ray had a, a three or four piece horn section and it was just really really nice to have such a kind of it adds so much to kind of there's such like players, a, yeah, it? yeah. It's like having live players yeah. and it, it's, it makes not it, being on track or exactly that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah and it's such a rich kind of musical experience mm, and it, when there's so much technology going on and like a lot of very very short kind of pop tracks that are that are really popular at the moment mm. it's really nice to see live instrumental players in in these big sets as well i thought that was really cool Amazing. So you're um, you're also on uh, the board of directors for the Ivers Academy. So for anyone who doesn't know, can you explain a bit about what the Ivers are and, and what your kind of role is there? Yeah. So I've actually just finished um, my position. Uh, on oh, the board OK. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I, we finished in January. So the under 25 board position um, is usually a year. It's usually a year term. Um, my colleague, uh, Imogen Williams and I managed to we, we got to do it for two years which was really great right um, but yeah we. I know you've finished. done it for a while yeah, yeah so what yeah. did that what did that kind of what did that kind of entail because that's like the Ivers is such a prestigious kind of yeah association for songwriters and performers and yeah that. yeah so I feel like most people's affiliation with the Ivers is is from the award so the right. the Ivers songwriting and composer awards which is the, you know the main awards um in the industry for for the actual songwriting and composer side of things um and it's always peer peer nominated and and kind of peer reviewed so you it's like the other people in the industry voting for you so i think songwriters feel very validated by it which is really nice right um but they're also an advocacy organization so they they advocate and and um, are very involved in the political side of things for protecting songwriters and composers' rights. Um, so they uh, they've done the fixed streaming campaign, um, and yeah, they do a lot of other campaigns. They they helped. Uh, well, they they put in the Kevin Brennan bill um, into Parliament to try and get songwriters paid more equally and and to kind of get a conversation going with the streaming services about royalties and and how songwriters are paid and. All of those things that I've, I'll, you know, they're new issues because streaming is so new. Um, and but maybe that's being generous to the way that, <laughs> to the people that have set it up that are getting yeah, very big yeah. bonuses from. from yeah, exactly. From the no, need, I mean, there's such a huge campaign at the moment, um, and it's so important because you know I think that there are so many articles you can read online where it's like you actually see how little you get from one street. You know, it's yeah. like or you know, or even hundreds or thousands of streams. You know, it's not it's not anywhere I need enough to live on as a songwriter. And if you compare that, if you compare that to how it, how it was back in the, you know, before streaming services, then you realize the massive imbalance. Yeah. That's there, so, yeah. It's crazy. You know. I mean, it's it literally like in the news today or yesterday, it was saying how the, 
Spotify um, subscription has gone up by a pound. And like yeah. so many people were like, I can't believe it's going up by a pound. That's crazy. And it's like you, as a consumer, you've got access to almost all of like recorded musical history for like 11 pounds a month it's just yeah. like mental that yeah. like people are complaining about it going up by a pound and that pound probably isn't even going to the songwriters anyway no but. exactly all the art yeah all yeah of it. Yeah, exactly. yeah so it's um it's a really really important um organization to you know that, that are trying to make a change in the industry at the moment and my job really it, it was a new position um that they'd just set up the the under 25 board director um, because they basically wanted to get young people involved in the organization at at a board level, which is really difficult for people, for young people to get into because how would you ever have any sort of board experience when you're you're a a young musician? yeah. Yeah. And they also wanted to kind of internally think about how to engage um, younger members to to join. Um, So that was also part of our remit. And um, yeah, and we we ended up chairing, um, we sort of set up the the youth council for the organization and we chaired that. And um, just we're there to kind of help provide our perspective when when talking about these kind of issues and to kind of remind in those conversations of of the kind of youth presence and the youth perspective of that. Um, But equally, I learned so much kind of I'd never I'd obviously never been in a boardroom before and, and never experienced that kind of organizational aspect of the music in- industry and um it was really really insightful and really hard in a lot of ways um you know when you're when you're young you're, you know I'm a, I'm a young woman in my I was 20 at the time and obviously I've always I've always been a very kind of political politically active person I grew up going to you know protests and rallies and um, my mum's very political so I I was always brought up to kind of defend what I thought was right and yeah. and to kind of stand up for <laughs> like political justice and as, as much as I can and so that was a way to kind of yeah a, a, a kind of platform to engage with that side of of my career that's always been really important to me but I've not always had the access to do it um fantastic so yeah it was really good it was it was hard in a lot of ways because I learned so much about the industry that's really flawed um and unequal and Mm. it's difficult you know learning about all the sort of injustices that go on and feeling kind of like oh god how is this ever going to be fix um but also you know these are the people that are trying to fight for it to be better and it's a community of of again really really talented songwriters and and composers and that was really nice to be a part of that as well so yeah i'm still on their youth council because i'm at the moment still under 25 um that's good yeah and um yeah i'm an active active member and yeah it's really really exciting they've just partnered with um amazon music as well for their last award so Brilliant. yeah it's um yeah. it's growing it's very good. quick yeah yeah oh hope it's been so great to chat to you today i mean there's been loads of stuff we haven't even had a chance to like touch on like all the music you've kind of got involved in with tv and like the different placements you've had your music i mean there's so much you've got clearly so much going on so what does the um what do you think the uh, 
the future holds what 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 do you think is kind of the future for you what are there things you you haven't done yet that you think oh i'd love to do that or you know what would you like to see yourself doing god i don't know <laughs> i've i mean i've always had very big ambitions for my for right. my original original career so i'd love to do i'd love to do more of that i'd love to play a load of festivals next year i think that would be my my goal for next year would to be get on the festival circuit a bit more um yeah. With the big live band. Yes, that would be amazing. Yeah. I don't know any festival that would pay for an 11-piece band, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe I can make them never know. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to buy them lots of, like, drinks and stuff, oh, and yes. you know, all that yeah. kind of thing, yeah. They were bought whis- very nice whiskey for the last for the last. Oh, gig, okay, so. nice. That would go down well with some of the people I know in that band, yes. particularly <laughs> one of them. I can imagine that was, a, that was the perfect present, yeah. He was very happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's our so. friend Greg, who... Um, who uh if for anyone who's listening yeah good shout out to greg <laughs> love you greg um yeah i'd love to get more music out i've got more music coming out um by the end of the year and and hopefully more more music out next year and yeah just just keeping on getting stuff out and performing and yeah more more of that <laughs> amazing hope oh thank you so much for coming on today it's been an absolute pleasure um talking to you whereabouts can people check out your stuff if they're like oh my god i want to go check out her music where can they go and do that yes you can find me at hopewinter.com um and my my spotify is just hope winter instagram hope winter music um yeah cool i'll put links to all of these in the episode description hope it's been an absolute pleasure today thanks so much thank you for having me Massive thanks to Hope for coming on the podcast. Do go and check out all those links in the description and go and check out her music. Thank you so much for listening. We have so many other awesome guests coming up for you over the next few weeks. So do remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and I'll see you in the next episode.